Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Yo, how you doing? How was your weekend? Hope it was good. It's final weekends before school starts again. Whatever that's going to look like. And man, it depends on where you live and what the COVID looks like day of uh, school start. Had a conversation with a uh, doctor yesterday. I play golf with him. He's a, a urologist, which is handy because uh, at the turn after the ninth hole, he usually gives me a prostate check just to make sure things are good. But wow, um, I I it's a nice told hole perk, him though. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's only if I'm ahead. If I win the bet, he does that for me. Anyway, ah, uh, so I I told him I've been reading a lot about the Delta variant and and how it affects kids and. You know, breakthrough infections and blah, blah, blah. And I said, it's difficult to figure out what's real because there's so much clickbait out there. And I want to know, are the kids going to be safe? What about kids in school? Blah, blah, blah. He said, he said, I, I don't know if I can tell you much about that, but he said, I will tell you this. He's affiliated with two hospitals. And he said, at the worst of the vid, we had uh, last year, we had, I think he said, 13 people uh, in intensive care. Uh, between the two hospitals, 13 total. He said, right now, he said, we've got 12 at one hospital and 15 at the other. He said, but every single one of them is plus 60 plus and unvaccinated. Every single one. So what to make of the scary clickbait? I don't know. How about the kids angle on how likely it is kids can get this one versus the other one? Because the, the Delta be hurt by it. Yeah. The kids are going back to school. Um, I, I read a good article over the weekend that that said, "Look, you got to look at this as we're, we're we all still have we have the mindset of like it's COVID and the pandemic has been lasting so long. This is a different pandemic. We have a different. This is a different disease." Mm-hmm. So kids are going back to school with a different disease than they went to school with or didn't go to school with last year. Right. So you have to treat it. You have to look at like you start kind of start over with what does this one do to what age groups and how likely it is. This is a different thing. But so many folks attitudes are so entrenched at this point for reasons of politics or just the, the life, the way they view life and just pissed off at the government and tired of being lied to and click baited to death and, and the rest of it. So it's difficult to, to get. Uh, a good faith conversation going. We'll just say that. Well, I, my kid is going to be in the classroom, but masked. I think a lot of kids across the country are. Um, but there are some states that are really fighting the whole uh, having kids wear masks all day long, which I'm, I, 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 I was a good idea with the old COVID. I'm not sure it's a good idea with the new COVID. Right, right. Agreed. Anyway. Well, girls won't be in school in Afghanistan, Jack. So, quite a weekend from the ta- for the Taliban. As I said, they won the gold medal in taking over countries over the weekend. Um, Taliban overruns three major cities as pace of advance accelerates. This is from the Washington Post late last night. In nearly simultaneous operations, the Taliban pushed into the center of Kunduz and the capitals of Sari, Paul, and Takar. These are provinces on Sunday. Developments that marked a sharp escalation in the scale of the militant group's territorial gains across Afghanistan. They launched a three-city. So up until Friday, it had only been rural areas. Then they took over their first provincial city on Friday. And then, so then they uh, did the three for over the weekend. Attacked three at the same time. But attacked, you got to use your finger quotes for attack on what that actually means, because at least one of these city centers, the Taliban drove up in a truck, and the city leaders came out and said, 
We're not going to fight you. We're on your side. I mean, wow. they, they gave up immediately. Wow. There was no pushback whatsoever. And in uh, one of the other cities where there was some fighting, the Taliban quickly got to the prison, opened up the prison that was full of tal- Taliban fighters, and so, like, immediately doubled or tripled their numbers on the ground, and then the city gave up because... Yep. If we're talking about the same city, and I think we are, and you've got to understand this to understand Afghanistan, the fight was not between uh, people, brave, patriotic Afghans who believe in Jeffersonian democracy and the Taliban. It was just that that city's dominated by a warlord, and he didn't want to give up control of his, you know, his province, his, his bailiwick. Let me read the latest from the New York Times. The propaganda war intensifies in Afghanistan as the Taliban gain ground. First, a remote provincial capital in Afghanistan's southwest fell. That's what we talked about on Friday. The next day, it was a city in Afghanistan's north. By Sunday, Taliban fighters had taken three more cities, including their biggest prize yet, the major provincial capital of Kunduz. All the while, the Afghan central government has acknowledged very little of it. In three days, at least five provincial capitals have been seized by the Taliban in a ruthless land offensive that has led many local officials to abandon their posts and flee the cities on the run. Without putting up a fight, just taking off. What was all that talk from the Biden administration and previous administrations about, you know, the Afghan uh, forces? We think they're trained up and ready to fight and blah, blah, blah. What, what was all that? Did I've they been actually believe that be- for 15 years? But did they actually believe that? I, I think it was spin. I mean, because we've talked to so many guys who are actually on the front lines of training the Afghan troops who've told us to our faces, it's a joke, guys. Rather than admitting that the cities have fallen, the government has simply said that Afghanistan's brave security forces were fighting in several capitals around the country and that airstrikes have resulted in scores of dead Taliban fighters. Yeah, maybe. Um, The country's security and defense forces are always ready to defend this land, said the Afghan Ministry of Defense, and tweeted out on Sunday. (laughs) as uh, Kunduz was under siege and eventually fell. The support and love of the people for these forces increases their motivation and efforts. With cities falling and the American military campaign mostly finished, the propaganda war in Afghanistan has taken on outsized importance. For the Taliban, it's an effort to communicate a drumbeat of victories, large or small, and to create an air of inevitability about their return to power. For the government, it is an all-out effort to stave off panic, boost morale, and minimize losses. In recent days, the Taliban have shared videos of cheering crowds, welcoming welcoming them into provinces, though some say Afghans are doing this only to avoid being harmed by the Taliban later. Does it really make any difference? Does it make any difference if the cheering crowds are actually, like, glad you're there or they're cheering because they're scared of what you'll do to them if they don't cheer? That might matter over the long term because you need popular support, but in the short term, no, it doesn't matter. And and I think this will be about a moot question within two weeks if the if the pace continues like it is of the Taliban taking over cities. On social media, Taliban spokesmen have been blaming civilian casualties and infrastructure damage on the Afghan government rather than on the group's aggressive takeover of segments of the country. So they're saying, hey, if you wouldn't you know get into these battles, people wouldn't be dying and buildings wouldn't be blown up. Their posts call on Afghan security forces to surrender with promises that they will be treated humanely. Yeah. Get your head cut off. Accompanied by photos of seized weapons and security forces who have given up, notably missing from any Taliban messaging, is any mention of reconciliation with the government. The government's information strategy has sought to create the opposite impression with often exaggerated and sometimes completely false claims about military victories, retaken districts, and assertions of Taliban casualties. I don't blame them a bit. That's a smart thing to do. 
I'm not sure if it's going to win the day. Well, you know, it's almost uh, George Washington-esque. They're just trying to hang on by hook or by crook to, to, to see whether they can come up with a strategy that'll work. I realize it's not a perfect metaphor for George Washington's campaign for independence, but you get the idea. I'm thinking more of the Civil War, man. There was, there was a time uh, like when the South was just rolling over these various areas. When Stonewall Jackson, the, 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 the word that Stonewall Jackson was coming was enough for a town to just say, well, we might as well give up. I mean, so you just you can you can get such a um, well as it said there, an a, a, a veneer of an inevitable inevitability that it's going to happen no matter what. So just forget it. Yeah. That uh, you you can yeah. it really gives you a huge advantage. The government's fitful narrative appears to have convinced few. The government does <laughs> have the capacity to recapture districts said uh, a former deputy interior ministry, but the main point is, what are they going to do after recapturing them? The districts will soon collapse again. Uh, Afghan security forces would unlikely be able to hold them because of weak defenses, weak local leaders, and a lack of central government support. Yeah, I, I, I... Just from what I've read, and I've read quite a bit about this in the last year, Dexter Filkin's stuff in the, in the, the New Yorker is always great. My feeling, if I lived in one of these places, would even if we fight back and we win today, they're going to win in the long run. We, mm. we can't hold on to the place. It's just not going to be possible. And 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 those of us who fought them, they'll, they'll remember it. It's a tough situation to be in. You know, I think the, the greatest piece of bull crap of all may be the Biden administration and, and plenty of people saying there is no military solution for Afghanistan. I think there is only a military the, the solution. The Taliban for seems to feel like there's a military solution. Yeah, the idea that no, we're going to sit down and negotiate with them and come to an agreement, like gentlemen, and 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 settle it and have a power sharing arrangement. The Taliban's like, yeah, right. That's hilarious. Uh, we're well armed. We're motivated. We're tough. We will fight uh, for the next thousand years. Y'all have pretty uniforms. The Americans bought for you, but you got no will. So I think we'll run roughshod over you if that works for you. Does this bust into a uh, a national conversation at any point? Do you think, or do you think most people just we we all knew this was going to happen? Um, yeah, I think the second one. It's their country. It's their problem. Yeah, I've, and I don't mean to seem cold because it's it's a, a humanitarian nightmare. Yeah, it I, will be. So my view would be, and maybe this is more or less what the view of America is. It's absolutely horrible, absolutely horrible. But there's a lot of horrible countries on Earth. And um, this this was going to happen whether we left now or five years from now or ten years from now. Would have happened five years ago or ten years ago. How much right. money do we want to spend keeping that from happening? What's the, what's the, our national interest in that? Not sure. Yeah, yeah. If you feel somehow guilty about that and that we ought to keep keeping on and, and the rest of it like some people do, I suggest spend 15 minutes reading about the civil war in Ethiopia right now. It'll remind you that there are plenty of good hellish hell holes. I do wonder if we'd have kept an air base there, like uh, some people had suggested, um, if that would have been enough for the Taliban to think, ah, they're right over there. That's, let's, not, let's not go driving down these dirt roads in our Jeeps with the and Just the throwing the bejesus out of them every other day? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. But uh, that's where it is now, and uh, unless something major happens, and the only thing major that could happen would be our intervention, they're just going to roll on through the whole country. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it would seem... That's yep. something. 
So CNN is about as hearty as the Afghan government at this point. We'll tell you about their woes, <laughs> play you some clips that you've just got to hear of the, the, the left-wing media intelligentsia showing their true colors. It is unintentionally hilarious, and it's next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Devs are off 92%, seven-day rolling average. Sorry, 14-day rolling average from the New York Times. 516 new deaths. As of yesterday, that's up 92% on the rolling average. So there are people Almost dying. doubled, yikes. It's still yikes. a small, well, you know, 500 a day. That adds up. Anywho, cases are up 112% over the 14-day rolling average. And the dead people are almost exclusively unvaccinated, correct? Is Absolutely. That still true? Yep. Yeah, interesting. So I got a call uh, during the last segment when we were talking about Afghanistan. I saw a voicemail came in. I don't know about you. I usually go to the transcription on my iPhone to see whether it's worth listening to or if, if I even have to. Here's this transcription. Hi, this is Kayla from Town of Places. Lies! Want to give your mind a call, the doctor. And then I'll plan on Friday, August 13th at 3, and just let us know our number is my book bank. Thank you, bye. <laughs> Lies! <laughs> and so I, I actually listened to it, and uh, and I do not fault Apple. Uh, th- it was uh, a gal who, who clips Baxter's nails for us, the dog grooming place. Mm-hmm leaving a message just confirming our appointment but this is this chick is the fastest talker i've ever heard in my life the poor uh, poor transcription didn't have a chance but it reminds me i've always wanted a study at the university level of people who leave their phone numbers so fast it's inconceivable yeah. you could jot it down right. so give me a call 4134587891 i want them interviewed i want them studied or, i want their brains sliced once, open or just leaving it once and not repeating it Right, right, and especially the extra fast. Always slow, always repeated. If you want them to call you back, if you actually want to go, what I think it usually is, is it's a person that they don't give a crap if you call them back. My job is I have to call and leave you a message, so I'm calling and leaving you a message. I don't really give a, I almost dropped an S-bomb. I don't really care if you call back because I'm a disgruntled employee. Yeah, I wonder. Although sometimes it's not that. I just it's somebody who actually wants to do business with me or us. And I think, what's the matter with you? Have you never written down a phone number? What's again? I want them studied. I want them interviewed. I want to know their background. All right, a couple of clips to play for you. First of all, CNN has gone an entire week without reaching a million viewers. Is it the the Cuomo mess, the loss of credibility, the it's constantly trying to scare the crap out of you over COVID. They've gone with that just for now a year and a half. It's their main programming element. I don't know. Uh, but they are absolutely uh, failing over at CNN. Well, I don't ever watch CNN. I haven't logged five total minutes of CNN in the last three years. Um, so uh, I, I rarely remember they they still exist. Oh, really? Yeah, the only time I remember they exist is they're still on in airports. Why why airports yeah. have decided that CNN is the go-to channel? I have no idea. And remember, CNN International is out-and-out out anti-American, America-hating. Uh, but anyway, uh, I you know, they're on my rotation of folks to listen to on the way in just to see what the lefty media is talking about. But they are absolutely terrible. Jim Acosta, fake activist reporter, is evidently trying his... Uh, 
uh, trying on the uh, opinion host hat. Here he is talking about the various uh, variants, including the Delta variant in clip 67. Perhaps it's time to start naming these new variants that may be coming out after them. Instead of the Delta variant, why not call it the DeSantis variant? We could sell beer koozies that say, don't Florida my Fauci. And use the money to help pay for all of the funerals that will be coming in the days to come. Boom! <laughs> Drop the mic. <laughs> How could you not want to watch that every night? The, the DeSantis variant. Pay for all the funerals. Shut up. Gosh, that whole, you know, red states are killing people, blue states are fine. Oh, speaking of which, the big Obama party, my uh, uh, my uh, invitation must have gotten lost in the mail. I didn't I didn't attend their Martha's Vineyard. But this is uh, White House Times White House correspondent Annie Connie Carney explaining why it was just fine that they had that giant party with no masks during covid. Uh, Other people said, you know, this is really being overblown. They're following all the safety precautions. People are going to sporting events that are bigger than this. This is going to be safe. This is a sophisticated vaccinated crowd. And and this is just about optics. It's not about safety. Ah, a sophisticated crowd. It's okay to go maskless if you're sophisticated on Martha's Vignette. <laughs> Bunch of pictures leaked out from uh, Obama's birthday party. He danced the whole night long, according to a couple of different reporters. I wonder if he was just doing that to avoid having to talk to people. God, I'm going to have to talk to every single person that came here. I'm just going to stay on the dance floor and go like this until everybody goes home. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Disney. Uh, now says masks are now required at their theme parks and all, requiring all their workers to be vaccinated. They are taking all precautions. Uh, now, when the when the prince <laughs> when the prince wakes Sleeping Beauty, he does it with an elbow bump. It's Sarah. Hmm. Um. United Airlines announced that it would require all sixty-seven thousand of its employees to get the vaccine. But I got a group of sheriffs somewhere. Where did I put that? Uh, that uh, they're fighting it. Their union is fighting it. Because hmm. the, the idea of having to get vaccinated. It's the the groups that are willing to get vaccinated or unwilling to vac- get vaccinated are not as easy to predict as you would think. No, I would agree. Yeah, number of healthcare uh, companies are now insisting everybody get vaccinated, and entertainment companies and the rest. And yeah. I don't know. I'm so tired of, of the whole argument. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody's so agitated. This happened on Friday around the whole COVID thing is the White House announced it would extend the moratorium on federal student loan payments. So not only did they extend the you can't evict anybody, no matter how long they've gone without paying their rent, student loan payments started under Trump March of 2020. They've extended it through January of next year. At some point, wow. that's it's just it's forever, isn't it? I mean, you'll be coming up on two years of not making student loan payments based on well, nobody can work during COVID. It's Even crazy. There's a help wanted sign every single place you go. There was a great editorial in the Washington Post over the weekend by David Von Drell. I think that's how you pronounce his name. But the headline is, The Eviction Moratorium Mess Exposes the Decay in American Politics. And he lays out the the, the situation where you have a questionable program 
the eviction moratorium by a questionable agency. The Supreme Court steps up and in a very, very adult compromise says, look, you can do this till the end of the month, but it cannot be continued unless there's a specific act of Congress. Congress declines to act at all because they are arguing over whether the uh, the minority leader's a moron or not, or whether the Speaker of the House ought to be battered with a gavel, which was an exchange of idiocies between uh, Kevin McCarthy and, and Nancy Pelosi. An exchange of idiocies, the Armstrong and Getty show. But so they did absolutely nothing about it. And then to quote the writer, at which point members of Congress hollered for the president to exercise almost kingly powers in defiance of the Supreme Court to do the work the legislature had failed to do. That's pretty good description of our our current state of politics. Sad. Would you rather hear about the most successful squatter in American history or the slowest pitch in baseball history? Now, by squatter, do you mean somebody who lowered their arse toward the ground yet remained uh, on their feet? No, somebody living someplace they shouldn't be living. Garamet Hanspel, 52 years old, has previously filed a number of lawsuits and bankruptcy documents to remain in a home he bought for $290,000 in 1998. He bought the house in, where is this? I can't tell where it is. Long Island. Uh, 1998, he's made only one mortgage payment before <laughs> defaulting, the New York Post reports. He hasn't paid anything since. So he made one mortgage payment in 1998, hasn't paid since. The rent is too damn high. Three different owners have uh, tried to kick him out of the house, but haven't been able to under uh, the, all the complicated laws that exist around this sort of stuff. What so. the hell? How can that even be? That's, that's one of the most sacred rights, is, is the right to own and manage your own property. The best, the best movie around that, the best educator about that was all, has always been Pacific Heights, the movie with Michael Keaton squatting in that house in San Francisco and all the crazy stuff he did, and he, they couldn't kick him out. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty true. Yeah. They're usually yeah. not, you know, like a crazy uh, psychopath murderer person, but they just they just don't want to have to pay. And the slowest pitch, you'll as a former pitcher, you'll be amazed by this. Uh, this is the record. And he went out there, he said, he went out there to see how slow he could throw it and still throw a strike. You have to throw a strike or it doesn't count. Major League (laughs) Baseball for the Nationals, Josh Harrison. He threw a pitch that was 31.1 miles per hour. Great Scott. And it was, and, uh, came in as a strike and didn't get jacked out of the park. That's probably about as slowly as you can throw it and it reaches home plate. Mm -hmm. So, uh, is he a, a pitcher? I don't know from, uh. Uh, Mr. Hamilton, you said? Yeah. Is he one of those guys, he's a third baseman, brought in to mop up at the end of the game? Veteran utility man, Joe. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. 31. <laughs> that's slow. That's a, That's bringing the heat there. That is the super ephus. Uh, so coming up, your race baiting story of the week, the black real estate agent removed from a house at gunpoint. Uh, the the facts because many breathless stories are not repeating or not really reporting the facts. I know that's shocking to you, but first a, a word from our good friends at Simply Safe, beloved sponsor of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Uh, it's pretty cool that it is the best security system you can get, according to a whole bunch of people that uh, you know measure these sorts of things. And there's a lot more complicated, expensive systems out there than Simply Safe that don't rate as high as Simply Safe does. And man, it's simple to use, simple to order. You go to the website simplysafe.com/armstrong. You click around a little while, it'll 
to customize the system to your home. Then when it comes in the mail, you set it up yourself. Going to take you like 30 minutes, and then you've got all that security. Simply Safe has highly trained security experts ready to help you whenever you need them during a fire, a burglary, medical emergency, or even if you're just setting up the system and run into a snag, although it is really, really easy. And as our listeners, you can save 20% on your Simply Safe security system and get your first month free when you sign up for interactive monitoring service. Just visit simplysafe.com slash Armstrong, customize your system, start protecting your home and family. Just go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. So the lefty media was really touting the bipartisan uh, bill, infrastructure bill, that got through the Senate last week. Um, Nancy Pelosi still says that, hey, we ain't going to take that up until the Senate takes up the $3.5 trillion spending plan that is really the whole Green New Deal, uh, (laughs) Remake America thing. And um, that just passed the House, or the House just introduced it. Um. Uh, the latest polling is a large majority of America does not approve of this, though. 57% of voters do not want Washington spending a total of $4.7 trillion on infrastructure. So the Democrats are going to have some difficulty in making the argument. Still, well, yeah, and, uh, that's a stretch saying it's going to be spent on infrastructure. I mean, in fact, oh, that's kind of the whole question. The one that is infrastructure, 23% of it is what most people call infrastructure. This human infrastructure bill, the $3.5 trillion, ain't a dollar of it infrastructure by most people's uh, view of what is infrastructure. It's making America France again. Yeah. yeah. Mafia. So I don't, th- yeah. I don't think any of this stuff's going to pass. But anyway, nope. yeah, that, that's the headline on that, and that's enough for now. Yeah, it's aspirational. They're just trying to say to their base, look at what we're trying to do. Looky, looky, but it's garbage and would bankrupt the country. So the big story, the big race baiting story over the weekend uh, comes out of Wyoming, Michigan, where a uh, a black real estate agent was showing a home to a client and a son, both of whom are also uh, black men. Uh, and, and the cops were called. A neighbor thought it was a break in. And uh, these guys came out with guns pointing at them, hands in the air, et cetera, et cetera. It, it, it is t- terrifying. It, it, it's a horrible thing to happen to anyone. And uh, the, the clients involved are threatening to uh, file lawsuits and say they wouldn't have been treated that way if it was a white woman and a couple of white clients. And they're actually right just because of the part that's being left out of the story in the most race-baitiest media outlets. And that's that a week prior, the home had been broken into by a black suspect driving a black Mercedes. He'd parked it in front, broke in, was stealing stuff, etc. The cops were called. The guy was apprehended. And a neighbor called the cops in this instance and said, that black car is out front of the house again. They're breaking in again. And so the cops showed up thinking they had some crazed repeat burglar, even though the guy had been arrested and released, of course, because we've decriminalized crime. Um, and so these poor guys come out with their hands in the air with guns pointed at them. I, I, I just think it's incredibly, uh, unfortunate. Um, I, I can, I can't prosecute the cops for doing that in these circumstances. It doesn't sound race baity to me. Congratulations to the folks at Hyundai, by the way. It was a Hyundai Genesis, and uh, the neighbors thought it looked like a black Mercedes-Benz. So Hyundai really getting their styling right. Congratulations. Hey, I don't <laughs> I don't know if you saw the Washington Post editorial board over the weekend blasted uh, Biden, which is the sort of thing that doesn't often happen. 
with the Washington Post editorial board, if the Trump administration had ignored a direct warning from the Supreme Court, Democrats would rightfully line up to condemn the president. Mr. Biden does not get a pass on the rule of law because his heart is in the right place. From the Washington Post, Mm -hmm. that's when you know you've probably stepped in it on this whole you can't evict people thing. Yeah, I would agree completely. Well, in that editorial that I was talking about by another chap in the Washington Post, he points out that the federal government appropriated this money for uh, you know mortgage relief and the rest of it, or rent relief and then landlord relief, and and distributed it to the states. But it's not getting to anybody, and so the new extension is not only like well-meaning to get it to people because there's no indication that anything's been fixed. It's Biden is violating the Constitution and the orders of the Supreme Court to cover up for the failure of government. It's not going to reach people who need it even by this extension. So it's it's really awful. There's just no no justifying it at all. It's just it, our government is so broken. Well, it's so giant and bloated. You know, we've been trying to tell you that for like 20 years. And if you're driving right now, slow down. You're probably driving too fast. We've talked about this some. This is from the LA Times. The latest data shows that the number of highway deaths in 2020 was the greatest in more than a decade even though there were hardly any cars or trucks on the road at all early in the year. I mean, that's really quite amazing. Traffic data indicates the higher death toll is related to higher average speeds in conjunction with more of those on the roads driving under the influence of drugs or alcohol and a slight decline in seatbelt use, but uh, that probably doesn't account to much. Tickets issued by the California Highway Patrol for speeding in excess of 100 miles an hour from January to June were nearly double pre-pandemic levels. Wow. And the number of tickets for reckless driving citations grew as well. So they gave out twice as many going over 100 than they had at any time in pre-pandemic levels. Now, if this is actually violating the law to say this, this is a uh, an amusing story told for your entertainment and has no basis in fact. But I always set my cruise control at 78 or 79 okay. on the interstate. Um, and, uh, you know, I've been going back and forth for 15 years. I've never gotten, uh, well, I guess I have gotten pulled over once or twice, but it's been a, a, a long time. So that's my go-to speed. Why, and why during, 78, 79, not just 80? Because it's, uh, that's the Mendoza line. The cop C80 on the radar gun, they pull you over, Michael. It's like pricing something at 1999, you know? You want to keep that two off the board. Anyway, so but I so keep like it you in just the your normal driving, that's how fast you drive. So I'm, mm-hmm. if I'm in a hurry, I'll drive that fast. But my nor- I've always I've always thought that so when the speed limit is 65, where you're driving, ah uh, yes, and yeah. you see 79 is okay. Yeah, well, keep that's it, a uh, pretty big cushion. What? <laughs> well, 14 miles per hour. <laughs> and well, and I'm by I'm I'm maybe in the fastest. 40% of drivers. I'm not in the top right, 10% sure, by any exactly. means. And that first six months of COVID when the roads were uh, pretty pretty empty and we were just going in because we're, uh, we're essential, clearly. Um, <laughs> I was passed by people going 90 to 100 20 times more often than I was in the congested pre-COVID period. I'm not surprised by these stats at all. Well, that's the been... number of lunatics flying by me, it's crazy. But that's incredible. You have oh, yeah. way fewer miles driven, but set the record for deaths over recent years. That's just amazing. And if the idiots only killed themselves, I'd think, meh, it's Darwin. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, they frequently kill innocents mm-hmm. as well. So anyway. Slow down, you idiots. Yeah, including me.
I'm the one of the idiots. Uh, Facebook has got a new kind of like button. It's a, their new prayer tool we should tell you about. The Sturgis Motorcycle Rally, which I have attended, uh, is running, and it's the biggest crowd maybe they've ever had. And some are concerned it'll be a super spreader event. Don't let a yeah, leather-vested person... Don't let a leather-vested person cough in your face. Uh, among other things that we need to tell you about, what else? Oh, the pics leaked out from Obama's birthday party, so we have an idea of what the, the swanking, sophisticated we're up to exactly. Partying late into the night over the weekend. And do I understand correctly that the Foo Fighters were uh, uh, heckling the Westboro Baptist Church lunatics? Yeah, and we have audio from that, which I guess Excellent. is pretty good. We'll hit you with that coming up, too. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Since we have a couple of uh, church-slash-God-related things, I've got a new segment we're going to call, Oh, Lord! <laughs> we could probably <laughs> tighten up the intro a little bit, but I like it. We'll call the segment, Oh, Lord. Uh, we'll get to the Facebook thing, the prayer thing that they've got, but first this, and I need to fill in the background on this, and I'm looking forward to it, and I'm, I'm happy that the Foo Fighters went to mock the Westboro Baptist Church, which are a bunch of scumbag uh, weirdos. The, they're the, not a church. They're well, that's, a see, that, weirdo cult. That's what I wanted to throw in. The yeah. the, the the Most of the media are uh, uh, godless atheists and, um, and, uh, and heathens and love to paint with a broad brush um, all uh, religious people is being like the Westboro Baptist Church. They're not really a church. They're not. Uh, the, the, they're not recognized by any Baptist group of any kind. There's only seventy of these weirdos in Topeka, Kansas, and um, you know you've heard about them through the years. They're the ones that show up to uh, like if, if a gay person dies of AIDS, they'd show up there and honk their horns and everything like that at the funeral. Um, my uh, my brothers actually participated in uh, Harley Davidson events where they go and uh, blast their Harleys really loud when Westboro Baptist Church is trying to do drown out other things. So nice, but well, anyway, they, uh, they showed up at military funerals. Yeah, saying that yeah, that was the right. just punishment for you know going against God. Right, um, but one of the reasons they get the attention they do is it's an opportunity for the media to say, "Look how stupid Christians are," and they just sure. really enjoy that. And this is no Christian group, and there's only seventy of them, like I said. But anyway, so Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters are in the area because they're doing a concert, probably in Kansas City, I'm guessing, and they drive over to Topeka and make some noise outside the Westboro Baptist Church. I got something to say because you know what. I love you. I do. The way I look at it is I love everybody. Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Can't you just love everybody? Because I think it's about love. That's what I think. I think we're all about love. And you shouldn't be hating. You know what y'all should be doing? You should be dancing. Four, two, you know what to do, go. So there you go. Jolliest band. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And moving on in our segment called Oh Lord. That sounds much better. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) The social media giant Facebook. I like when people say that. Right. (laughs) In case you haven't heard of them. (laughs) Filling in what they are. In case you're unfamiliar with the whole Facebook thing. The social media giant Facebook has rolled out a new prayer request feature, a tool embraced by some religious leaders as a cutting-edge wage, a way to engage the faithful online. Others are eyeing it warily as they weigh its usefulness against privacy and security concerns. This is how well, it it's the same thing everything on Facebook is. It's an effort to steal your data. Of course it is. Members can use it to rally prayer power for upcoming job interviews, illnesses, and other personal challenges, big and small. After you create a post, the other users can tap an I prayed button and respond with a like or other reaction, leaving a comment or send a direct message. So it's a I prayed for you. So you'll say, wow. pray for me. Um, you know, I'm going in for uh, the foot surgery today. And then people can click on the I prayed and you'll say, oh, look, 700 of my friends prayed today for my foot surgery. And I hate to be cynical. Actually, I, I clearly like being cynical. I think you do. Um, because uh, now people can feel insecure and hurt that not many people prayed for them. <laughs> oh, as opposed to like their post of the cake they made or, or whatever. <laughs> their new, you know, curtains. Right. Man, I only got 13 likes. Jiminy. Well, it's one thing to only get 13 likes, but it's another thing to only get like two prayers when you say. I'm going in for surgery. I got two prayers. Jiminy. <laughs> As Facebook continues to spread misery around the world. Yeah, I watched a little of Social Dilemma last night, just a tiny bit of that documentary. Man, it's scary the way that we're all good. But way we're all being manipulated by that. If you miss an hour, get it at Armstrong and Getty.com. Oh Lord. Getty.